The Denver Sports Tonight. Taking a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports. From your online home for the best opinions and information on the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, and more. DenverSports.com. And it is Denver Sports Tonight on this Friday night in the Mile High City. He's James Merrillat. I'm Will Peterson. We will take you to your weekend over the next hour. And James, it was a weird day in the NFL because there was all kinds of moves. Nothing earth-shattering, but it felt like every five minutes on Twitter it was so-and-so signing here, so-and-so signing here. It feels like teams are getting their rosters ready for next week when camp's open. And you guys just talked about at the end of the drive. I came on with you to to, uh, not break it. I certainly didn't break it, but to pass along the info. Um, the Broncos have joined the party and signed a kicker, Brett Maher, within the last 20 minutes. Now, this is a name that when they released Brandon McManus, this was one of the names that came up as a possible replacement. I guess my my only question with it would be, well, why now? Why not back then? Wouldn't they have wanted to have him in and be a part of mini camps and OTAs and get a look at him and see things? And I know you can come in for a tryout and they can have you kick a few or whatever, but like... Why wait until the 11th hour before camp? He's been a pretty good kicker other than the one really bad day, but that was a pretty bad day when you missed four extra points. Yeah, we can reset that real quick. I mean, Maher, he was the the talk of the NFL in a game the Cowboys won, and yet all anyone could talk about was him because he missed four extra points, and it was the Monday night game, so you had the Manning cast, you had the viral clip of Peyton Manning just flabbergasted. We all know the history with Peyton Manning and Mike Vanderjack yeah. and sort of, you know, he thinks the kickers should make their kicks, which they should, and Manning was just befuddled. This dude missed four extra points to the point where it was like, why is Mike McCarthy not going for two? Right. Why are we still letting him kick extra points? Well, and then just the reaction from the Cowboys bench of, at first it was a pat on the back, and then it was a nobody wants to go near him, and then it's Dak Prescott, like, trying his hardest not to just look unbelievably frustrated by what was happening. I mean, it was it was wild. He is a good kicker, though. He is. And then remember the next week, everybody holding their breath the first time he had to kick an extra point. Or I think they actually may have gone for a field goal, and he made it. Uh, it, it just turned into that. And once somebody gets the yips, so to speak, it's hard to get over that, right? It's Chuck Knobloch, and he couldn't throw the ball from second base to to first base when he was the when he was with the Yankees and he couldn't get over it. Uh, David Duvall, to some extent, as a golfer, kind of got that. Yeah, and you know he went from the number one ranked player in the world to no longer on the tour. Is is this guy in that category? Well, in Maher, I'm just looking at it now. He missed one the following week in San Fran in a 19-12 loss. He did make two field goals that night. But so he finished one for six extra points in the playoffs. He missed his only extra point oh. at San Francisco in a nineteen twelve loss. To your point, ninety percent kicker over the last two seasons. Um, I just saw a tweet from Mike Kliss in the last two minutes. He has confirmed this. Our one hundred four three, the Fan Insider. He points out Brett Maher kicked for Sean Payton with the Saints in twenty twenty one. I had forgotten about that wrinkle. Okay. So there is a history there, too, between head coach and kicker. Sean has seen him with his own eyes for a full season. Obviously, to me, James, you mentioned, hey, this could be competition with Elliott Fry. It could. But 90-man roster spots are also somewhat precious, a little more than 53, obviously. But if we get the news in the next hour or tomorrow or sometime before Friday when camp opens that they've moved on from Elliott Fry, that wouldn't shock me in the least. It wouldn't shock me at all, but it, it sort of just begs the question of like, well, why did they go through this charade? When they signed Elliott Fry, we all said he's not going to be the kicker. 
But he's kick, been on 12 teams. The kick, exactly. And he's kicked six field goals in his career. So he's he's just bounced around. He's 28 years old. There's a reason for it. So nobody thought he was going to be the kicker for the opener against the Raiders. So what what was the point? It just all seemed like a kind of an exercise in futility to get to the same place where you were going to probably end up anyway. Here's the thing. In this town for three decades, by and large, Broncos fans haven't had to worry about the kicker. We've been fortunate in that regard. It was Jason Elam. It was Matt Prater. It was Brandon McManus. And were they perfect? No. But all of those guys were, you know, two of them held the NFL record for longest field goal at one point. Brandon McManus certainly had a a chance to kick one uh, and, and had the leg to make something like that. And they were pretty darn reliable in big moments, in key kicks. I mean, Matt Prater was a huge part of the Tim Tebow year. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was making... Two 50-yard bombs, 50-plus-yard bombs, and that come back against the Bears. So the fact of you don't know how bad it is to have a kicker problem until you have to experience it. And there's every year, there's one or two teams where it seems like every week they're trying out somebody new and they can't find the guy and it costs you a game or two. I mentioned it to the fellas on the drive. If it's January 7th in Vegas, Broncos are down two, 12 seconds to go in the game. 44-yard field goal. They make it. They go to the playoffs. They miss it. Their season's over. You want Brandon McManus kicking that or Brett Maher? Brandon McManus. Me too. For sure. I mean, Maher is is showing that he's a fairly good kicker, but maybe not in the big moments because the big moments are trying to end Tom Brady's career in Tampa, and your team's got this momentum from touchdown after touchdown, and it's like the balloon. Like, he's just sucking the air out of it because you know every single Cowboy – wasn't as excited about the six points as they were mad that, again, one, pat him on the back. But two, we got a problem. Yeah. Three, you kidding me? And four, that's on the head coach yeah. for trying him back out there because this dude's in his own head. Yeah, and look, I've had my issues with Brandon McManus, and I think some of the things Nate Jackson brought up in terms of why he's not here, I think are spot on. I don't think Sean Payton wants a kicker that is arguing with him on the sidelines about whether or not he should take a shot at a 65-yarder. I don't think he wants a kicker who is so involved with the players as the players rep that he's telling players not to show up for off-season conditioning. He doesn't want a kicker that is lobbying for water breaks throughout practice. Remember two years ago what a just laughable situation that was where it seemed like they took more water breaks than they did anything else? Yep. I mean, a lot of that ties back to Brandon McManus, and there has been a purge of some of the players, prominent players, who have been a big part of the worst stretch in Broncos NFL history. It's Dalton Reiser's not here. Draymond Jones isn't here. Uh, Graham Glasgow. A lot of guys are gone, and I think Brandon McManus got caught up in that of, hey, was he the problem? No. Was he part of the problem? Maybe. Maybe when you haven't had a winning season in five years, you shouldn't dress up as a referee and run around and goof around during training camp. Maybe. I think Brandon McManus, again, yeah, good dude, but the, the shtick kind of kind of ran its course, I guess you could say. And, yeah, and this is going to sound bad, but at some point, you just want your kicker to be the kicker. Just It's kind of that, just go out and do your job and, you know, we don't need to hear from you and see you all the time and you shouldn't, you shouldn't be making news. Let's go through Maher's stats real quick because he spent two years with the Cowboys, then one with the Saints, then back with the Cowboys. Comes in the league in 18, is 29 of 36 on field goals, 80%, and 32 of 33 on extra points. Didn't have a problem that year. The next year, though, with Dallas, 2019, this is what got him out of a job in Dallas, goes just 20 for 30, only 66%, not a good number, 
uh, made all 36 of his extra points. Then goes down to New Orleans in 21, goes 16 of 18, 88%, missed two extra points, 10 of 12. And then in Dallas last year, a great offense goes 29 of 32. That's great, 90%. And 50 of 53 on extra points in the regular season, one of six in the playoffs when the lights go bright. That translates out to a career 81%, and he's made 128 of 134 regular season extra points. That, again, shows you he missed six in four years in the regular season. He missed five in two playoff games. Yeah, this is a concern. I mean, look, it's less of a concern than it was when the kicker was Elliot Fry. Uh, we don't know anything about that guy. There's a reason he's been on 12 different teams. There's a reason he's only kicked six field goals in, in NFL games, and he's 28 years old and bounced around. There's there's a reason for it. Not trying to be mean. Let's just be honest. So this is an upgrade from that. This is a guy that is a legit NFL kicker. Yep. And by and large, you're going to be fine with him. But I think you're fooling yourself if there's a big moment. Let's say they're down six in that situation I was just referring to. In Las Vegas, week 18, season on the line, playoffs or no playoffs. They score a touchdown on the last play of the game. And he's got to make the extra point to win it or send it to overtime. You're not going for two. You've got to trot him out there if it's a tie game. Everybody in Denver is going to be thinking about that those extra points last year. And you know who's going to be thinking about those extra points? He Brett is. Maher. Correct. Because he can tell you he's going to get up in front of a microphone next week, and that's in the past. I don't think about it. I moved on. BS. Yeah. If we've learned anything from quarterback, that show on Netflix, these dudes are humans just like us. Yeah. When you got Kirk Cousins going to Barnes & Noble on a Tuesday on his off day, <laughs> these guys are just guys. They're really, really talented athletes, but they're still just guys. 100%. And that's when, it's gonna, that, that's when we're all going to worry about it. And, look, it's going to become a story. If he misses an extra point in the first preseason game at Arizona, it's going to become a story. It's going to be start looking at the waiver wire. Are you going to bring anybody else in? That's going to be the question every single day for Sean Payton because of the history. You're bringing in a guy. Look, last year, there was no bigger punchline throughout the season than Russell Wilson. He was the guy that was taking it from everywhere. But for any given one week, was there anybody who had as bad of a week as Brett Marhart Mar- no. did in that playoff game. No, again, like the story the next day was not, hey, Tom Brady's career may have ended. The story was Brett Maher can't kick. Yeah. It, it was, it, oh my it God. It takes did a you pretty strong it? performance to trump Tom Brady's last game, and he managed to do it. So uh, it, it's a good move. I just wouldn't say it's a great move. And I think if the right guy ends up on the waiver wire, I think you still have to be looking at other options. I do have some good news, too, about his leg. His long in Dallas in 18 was 62. Okay. His long in Dallas in 19 was 63. Okay. And his long in Dallas in 22 was 60. So in three of his four seasons in the NFL, he has made a 60-plus yard kick. So I know kicking at altitude's bonus points, but if you're on the road, you're down in Miami week three, the air is thick and hot and humid, and you need a 52-yarder at the buzzer, there are guys in the NFL who would come up short on that 52-yarder. Brett Maher's probably not going to have that problem. Okay, and that's a good thing. And, yeah, at home, I, I think you, you're having the same situation you had with Elam, Prater, and McManus. You could be flirting with that NFL record type of kick and consider whether or not you want to send him out there. All right, that's the uh, breaking news in the last half hour that Brett Maher is now reportedly a member of the Denver Broncos. The report first came from Aaron Wilson, who's a uh, local guy in Houston but breaks a lot of national scoops, confirmed by our insider Mike Kliss within the last few minutes. You can read the details at denversports.com. James, you uh, following all the news out of CU today? I mean, listen, man, like 
it, it feels like it feels like now that we're getting closer to football season that the the Buffs and the Broncos there's kind of an equal amount of hype and news on both of them each day. It was Pac-12 Media Day. It was out in so Vegas. So the first part of the news on that was that Deion Sanders wasn't there. He had successful surgery to remove blood clots again from his leg, correct? Yeah, that was according to his girlfriend, uh, Tracy Edmonds, who posted that on Instagram and said it was successful and uh, thanked everyone for sending their thoughts and prayers to, to Coach Prime. And the best news is it, it sounds like it sounds like, you know, we're knocking on wood, but it sounds like this was sort of the last hurdle for him to to finally, hopefully, start really diving into the football. Not that he hasn't, but we all know when you have a physical ailment, that's always top of mind. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's hope it's it's behind him for now. So that was part of the news. And then in Vegas for Media Day, it was Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter in front of microphones. And listen, I mean, part of it is you gotta you got to act like what you want to be before you get there. They're certainly they're certainly playing the part. Here's Shadur on ESPN today. Well, I'm a Sanders. You know, I don't feel pressure. That's the thing. It's in my blood. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't get nervous. I don't get none of that. Uh, especially when you prepare, you got the coaches and you got the staff and the players around you. Like, there's no real pressure. You just find yourself in your own thoughts. And that's the thing. I don't. I don't really. I don't fear no names or no nothing like that. I love it, man. I mean, Shadur Sanders. To just say, I don't feel pressure because I'm a Sanders. Okay, he got some good genes, some good DNA running through him because his dad is one of the greatest corners in NFL history and is also one of the cockiest dudes, and I mean that in a flattering way possible, and it sounds like his son's got some of that same juju going on. Well, to be successful in any athletic endeavor, but then in football at that position, you certainly have to have confidence. You probably have to have a little swagger. He has it. He did say, I don't get nervous, which... Brings up flashbacks of Russell Wilson saying that before week one last year. It sounds a little bit more like Shadur Sanders actually believes it when he says it. Mm. I don't get nervous. It does. In hindsight, and look, we have the benefit of seeing how disastrous the season was, so none of us were saying that at the time. We were kind of rolling our eyes at that, but none of us were saying it at the time. But that's the, the clips now sound like Russell Wilson trying to talk himself into that. Like a power of positive thinking, you know. Whereas Franklin Shad- Covey, yeah. Whereas Shadur's like, Prime's my dad. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't feel pressure. I have a stat for you. This this came out today from R.J. Young. Shadur Sanders is seventy and eight as a starting quarterback through high school and college. Seventy and eight. CU lost eleven games last year, and this dude in the last seventy eight football games he's played has lost eight. I understand the competition's going to go up. But at some point, if you've won at every stop, you're going to win at the next stop. Well, and wherever he's played, he's been, he's won, and he's been playing at a high level at those spots, right? It's not like he played at some podong high school in, I don't know, pick a random state, in Vermont, yeah. right, where nobody nobody comes out of there and is a great player. Like, you know, and I get it, Jackson State, you're playing at a different level, but they were also the best team at that level. He played in some big games and some big moments, so... When you're a winner, you know you know you know how to win and you know how to get it done. You can that can translate. Yes, you haven't done it at this level, but he's never had the opportunity either. Right. So I I think he'll be I think he'll be fine. I, chalk me up as a fan of the swagger. Had you seen that stat seventy and eight? No. I mean that's that's remarkable. That's a that's a that's a mindset of every single Friday night lights or Saturday afternoon or whatever. I am going to win the game because I don't know what losing feels like, and that's why I talked about this with Cello last night, who was filling in for you. 
when I see CU at 11th in the preseason Pac-12 poll behind the likes of Arizona State and Cal, that's kind of insulting. They beat Cal last year. Yeah. And the media, the 36 media members are going to say, eh, well, we're just not buying into Coach Prime and all the hype when, oh, by the way, his quarterback is his son who's 70 and 8. Sounds to me like you just have beef with Coach Prime and you ranked him low just because you're the nerd who he would have stuffed in the locker. Yeah, I heard you guys talking about that last night, and I think you're right. I think it's the guy who's been covering Oregon State for 32 years in Corvallis, and he doesn't like the way things are being done because it's different, and he's just going to try and make a point with his vote. That's, I think, a lot of what's going on. Look, I think think you're a little overly optimistic. I'm not quite where you're at that that I'm picking him to go to a bowl game. Yeah, I said, I said enough wins to go to a bowl game and somewhere like 5-6-7 in the Pac-12. And and I that would be great. And I think if they get to a, a point where they get, they'll make a bowl, bowl game, that would be a huge success. To me, if you can get to a bowl game and will win a game that people don't expect you to win, right? This is a CU team that when Dan Hawkins was here beat number three Oklahoma at Folsom Field. Like that, and that got him an extension. But that kind of a game where it's like, wow, nobody saw that coming. Because if you're good enough to get to a bowl game and win six games, you should be able to surprise someone and kind of hang in there in a game where nobody expected you to. For sure. They have plenty of them on their schedule. So uh, that, to me, would be a huge success. I, I, I think people, yeah, they're they're discounting the talent that they brought in there. There are a lot of three- and four- and five-star recruits in Boulder, way more than there's been in recent years. I think, too, with, with the Buffs, like you look at it, they're 21.5-point dogs to TCU in Week 1. And I understand TCU was just in the national title game last year. But that first game is going to be such a tone setter, James. Because if you come out and you – well, first of all, if you win, you will vault into the top 25. You will be the talk of college football, and you will be the Coach Prime effects real. They're going to win eight, nine games. I'm not saying that's likely. But if you lose close, you're going to get people's attention. Hey, they went down there and hung with a team that was in the national title game last year. And you're going to be on people's radars. If Even if it's, hey, they were within three in the fourth quarter before they lost by 17. Even yeah. that will get people's attention. If you lose 51-6, to six, do you know how quickly, not Colorado fans necessarily, but the national audience will turn on you, much like they turned on the Broncos last year? Yep. Because we have to watch you on the main Fox slot with Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson. And then guess what? You just lost, what was the score I said, 55-6 to six or whatever? We have to watch you next week in that main Fox slot against Nebraska, and you lose that one, and the Folsom's painted in red, and you're 0-2. I'm telling you, this is either going to be the quickest bandwagon people want to drive or the quickest bandwagon people jump off based on TCU and Nebraska. People will make up their mind about Prime in two weeks. That is not fair, but that's the society we live in, snap judgment, that's what people, again, I'm not saying locally, but around the country will do. Well, and I don't even know that I'd say it's unfair because he's, he's, he's sort of created that that's what he wants, that that's the situation. He's created the monster himself. Yeah, so I, I don't think it's unfair, but I, I do think you're right. This is going to be one extreme or the other. I don't know that there's going to be five, six, seven weeks into it, and we're all debating, like, what do you think? Is this working? Is it not? <laughs> right. It's I not going to be that way. There's going to be none of that. It is either going to be... Oh my gosh, this is the greatest turnaround. He took over a 1 and 11 team and then in the opener the next year he beat the team that lost in the national championship game. I've never seen anything like it. Find a turn like it'll be that narrative or it'll be a lot of people ready to pounce because there are a lot of people who are quietly and some not so quietly 
waiting for Deion Sanders to fall flat on his face. And I think, again, that's why he was voted number 11. And I say he, the Buffs, but we all know it's Coach Prime, voted number 11 in the preseason media poll, only ahead of lowly Stanford. And that's the last point I want to make on CU, and then we're going to get back to the Broncos here shortly. But I wanted your reaction to this news that they have sold out the Nebraska game. Not a surprise. They have sold out the Stanford game family weekend in October. It's got to be the cheapest ticket, too, because Stanford's awful. Yeah, but it's family weekend. So if mom and dad are flying in from California or Texas or the East Coast or whatever, what's the highlight of the weekend? It ain't seeing your dorm room. Stop meeting your frat bros. It's going to a football game and seeing Coach Prime. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. That makes sense. But do you think this was the hypothetical uh, proposed on Stokely and Zach today? Do you think they finish with more sellouts or wins this year? Six home games. And wins, obviously, not just home. home well, because they also have USC. That'll turn into a sellout. They have CSU. That will turn into a sellout. Has to. Because even if you're, you're not totally full with folks from Boulder, the folks from Fort Collins will fill it up. I don't know about that. They don't fill up their own stadium. You tell me they're going to get in a car and go to the game? They won't walk to a game. I knew that comment would go over well. I mean. It just takes like 5,000 of them. That's a big crowd for them. So, but I do think that game will sell out. That's four. What are their other home games? I'm trying off the top you of my head. You got Oregon State here that and might, Arizona here. Okay, those two are going to be dependent on how the season's going. So Yeah, because it's not like Corvallis is going to bring in 10,000 people. No. Or Tucson's going to bring in 10,000 people. No, so let's go, with, let's go with one of them does. So that's five. They win more games than they have sellouts. <sighs> it's, it's a really good question because... I could see them selling out. They're going to sell out all six, James. You think so? It's July 21st, and they've already sold out two. And they are so confident in their product. I wrote about this at denversports.com that the cheapest ticket to go to USC is 225 You want to sit at the 50-yard line? $625. These are not resale prices. This is what the university is comfortable charging when the same university charged 15 bucks to get in the door last year. Is that a Friday night game? Let me take a look. I believe I want to say the, the game against... USC is Friday night. But I mean, man, that has, like, blackout game written all over it. Yeah. And it's like... I mean, what, I, you you know what kind of blackout. I mean, like, the T-shirts. Yeah, but yeah. It's Friday week, night. It might be week, both. week four, week five, I feel like. I mean, their start to the season is tough. It is tough. So, I, that, that is one, though, that, you know, sometimes a Saturday game is tough to get to. Everybody's got youth sports that they got to go to. If it is a Friday night, that makes it to where certain... Continue to people, that's all they can go to. Not to kill your buzz, but oh. you're thinking of Stanford as the Friday night game. Okay. So the family weekend. So, hey, Dad, you better catch that early flight. Rattle off the first five for me. There, it's a gauntlet. Uh, it is TCU yeah. in Fort Worth, Nebraska yeah. here, yeah. CSU here, Bye. at Oregon. I mean, that's brutal. That's how you open Pac-12 play. That's brutal. And then USC, USC here yeah. on Saturday the 30th. They are all Saturday games except for two Friday the 13th against Stanford here. Friday the 13th. Oh, hey, okay. Do, 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 do. And then uh, Friday, November 17th in Pullman, Washington at 8.30 p.m. for a good time. So that Thursday, October 12th, is Broncos at Chiefs when Russ gets to 6-0 and and gets everybody's attention. The following night, we get Buff Stanford. That's a good football weekend. Now, the game's in at Arrowhead, but that's a good football weekend. Well, you know why that's a great football weekend? Because it means... Thursday Broncos, Friday Buffs, Saturday the rest of the college slate, and yep. Sunday Red Zone Day. All day long. That's four days of bliss if you're a Colorado that slash football, Broncos fan. football perfection right there. Uh, I, I think they're going to sell out all six, and I think they're going to win six games. I think it's going to be a push. 
I hope you're right. I really do. Like, it, it will be so much fun if they have some success. And this isn't me being a, a buff. It's not me putting on my CU hat. Just some, having something here relevant from a college football standpoint will be a ton of fun. It's been a long time. And if, if Dion falls flat on his face, what's the next move in Boulder that would make any sense and, and, and would have any chance of working? This this feels like they're Hail Mary, to use a bad pun. And it's kind of the Hail Mary for college football in this state. It does feel like if this doesn't work, it's never going to work. And that's such a defeatist attitude, but it's sort of like some Rockies fans say, oh, you just can't win at altitude. Like, it just feels like the... The, we'll all move off this earth in the next 50 years and see you won't be good and the Rockies won't I'm be good. I'm not a poker guy, but I feel like it's kind of pushing all the chips in and you're waiting for that final card. What is that? The river, the flip, the turn. The, somebody's going to rip me on the, the... It's the flop, flop, the turn, the river. Okay, I was pretty close. You got it. Um, I feel like you put all your chips in and you're waiting for waiting for those cards. I can't wait. I can't wait. We will keep you posted on all the CU news You can read about a ton of it at denversports.com. But coming up on the other side, we've got Melvin Gordon news. He got a job somehow. It's Denver Sports Tonight on Denver Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. Bravosla.com text line is 303-713-1043. He's James Merrill. I'm Will Peterson. Hope your Friday night's off to a good start. U.S. Women's Soccer, James. What are we, a half hour away from kickoff? Yep, 7 o'clock start down in New Zealand. I did a little research on that because you told me on Wednesday, you said, well, it's got to be a weird time for them because it's the only game and they're trying to make it an American audience. Yeah. You want to know what my research showed? Yes. It's a 1 p.m. local start Saturday in New Zealand. That's not that bad. Wait a minute. How's it 1 p.m. there if it's 7 p.m. here? It's only a six-hour difference? They are 18 hours ahead of us. Again, 1 p.m. Saturday. They are now into their next day. Hmm. I promise you that's correct. They, they, they literally live on the other side of the world where they celebrate Christmas a day before we celebrate oh, wait, Christmas. Wait, wait, wait. So the games, that, so you're saying they're 18 hours ahead of us? Yes. Okay, so let's just look at the rest of the schedule. Okay. So England and Haiti play at 3.30 a.m. That would be 11.30 at night? I think your math's off there. That'd be 9.30 at night? Correct. Followed by a game at 6 a.m. here, which would then be midnight? I think you're wrong. They're not kicking off at midnight in New Zealand. Bro, I will Google time in Auckland. Yeah, tell me what time it is in Auckland. Time in Auckland, James Merrillat, 12.33 p.m. on Saturday, July 22nd. Mic drop. <laughs> okay, those are some weird times. I mean, I can see it. I'm, I I, I got it in front of me. Are you one of those dudes that can't wrap your mind around that they're on the same no. planet as, as, no. as us and they're in the next day? I think you're, like your computer's set up to the wrong time zone or something. You Google time I in am. I am. I'm not buying this. I'm not buying that the other games are being played at 9.30 at night and midnight. I think your math's a little off. I don't think it's off. I'm getting a little, little offended by this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what are you saying? It's going to be broad daylight today for the game? No, it's 7 o'clock at night. It's winter there. It's Boy, 1 we- in the afternoon, though. 
That's the same time the Rockies play. Oh, so it'll be broad daylight. I, I thought your point was like, oh, their internal clocks will be messed up. Yeah, I thought they were playing at a weird time because I'm looking at no other game other than the American game is played at 7 p.m. locally. All of them are in the middle of the night here. They're at 3.30 a.m., 6 a.m., 18 hours ahead. Would that be noon? No. This has really got me befuddled. I was going to say, you're just not believing me that they are living... If we, if you want okay, to time and- travel, they are living a day forward in time. Do you remember Y two K? Everyone's like, "Well, Y two K went fine okay. in New Zealand, so apparently it's going to go fine here." Fine, let's just do this simply. Seven p.m. here tonight in twenty six minutes. You're saying is one p.m. in the afternoon there? Right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Hang on. Okay. Hang on. So seven a.m. there would be one a.m. there. Wait, so seven a.m. there. No, would- seven, no, seven a.m. here would be one a.m. there. Right. Seven is one. So 6 a.m. here is midnight. You're telling me they're starting games at midnight based on your clock research. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying this. What happened when you Googled time in so Auckland? I got the same damn time. I, something, something's weird. Then they're playing all the other games at weird times. So the all only right, game so played after doing in, some research, Australia will be the host of some of the other games that are, quote-unquote, 3 a.m., 6 a.m. See? Thank goodness we have a crack research. Yeah, but Australia and New Zealand can't be more than, like, a time zone apart. That's like like us in St. Louis. We're only an hour apart. We're we're only an hour ahead of L.A. We're only an hour behind the Midwest. Hang on. Where in Australia are they playing these games? This is a little bit like when we were trying to figure out the mean, the median, and the mode. You are hurting my brain, dude. (laughs) I thought you would have just taken me and said, oh, that's cool. They play at 1 in the afternoon. Everything's going to be fine. No. When would I ever do that? Just take somebody at their word. I mean, 1 in the afternoon. You don't think Megan Rapinoe's played at 1 in the afternoon before? You don't think Alex Morgan's played at 1 in the yes, afternoon before? I think so. I was assuming they were the other side of the world. It was like 7 p.m. here, 7 a.m. there. I thought they'd be playing at a weird time because I don't think they're playing games at midnight. Well, KJ just learned it's a two-hour time difference, so maybe they're playing them at 10 p.m. Still weird. It's the World Cup. You got a lot of games. You, so many fields. So many fields. <laughs> oh. Okay. All right. Great. It's not a weird time. It's 1 p.m. there. They're playing in the middle of the afternoon. It, I would say it'd be in the hottest part of the day, but it's winter. Well, yeah, it, but they live in the future. So they know <laughs> they know how everything's going to go. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, but we do know it's 7 p.m. here. It's weird that we're on the same spinning ball as them. Get there at the next day than we That are. part doesn't freak me out. That's oh, not that's, weird. That scares the crap out of me. I get it. Dude, if you travel, like, from New Zealand to Denver, you can live the same day twice. I flew from London to Denver and wound up with a 33-hour birthday. It was great. There you go. Or whatever, 28 hours, whatever. It was longer than a full day. Yeah, but you start thinking about that stuff too hard, and it you know, kind of freaks me out a little bit. Well, I, I can't. clearly I can't do the math, so this has got me a little befuddled. All right, text line loves it, so we'll move on. <laughs> Melvin Gordon, fumbling Melvin Gordon, has uh, a new job. He signs today for uh, up to $3.1 million with the Baltimore Ravens. And, and, James, did you hear what happened today? Did you see the tweet when he signed his deal, what happened? No. He dropped the pen. No. hey oh, Come on. You, you, it's like. Wear the little drums or something, KJ. That was a pretty good joke. That wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. He fumbled again! <laughs> Melvin Gordon, man, it didn't start off good here, and it just got worse. Here's Melvin Gordon is a good football player. He uh, is. He is. His a, number one job is to hang on to the football, and he can't do that. He's a good football player. It just it didn't work here. I I I'll bet you 
he has success in Baltimore. He will he will find some success there. That's a good fit for him. He's a good player. Why they brought him back for a third year here? George Payton has made some bad decisions and a lot of really expensive bad decisions. That one didn't cost him a lot, but that makes no sense at all why they brought him back last year. None. No, and he was a locker room chemistry killer. He was a powder. He was a me-first guy. He was doing podcasts when the rest of his teams were at OTAs. He is uh, my least favorite Bronco of all time. He, he's ahead of Raheem Moore for me. Because wow. Raheem made one mistake and owned it in the locker room afterwards, and I understand that that mistake broke broke the heart of Broncos country. But Melvin? Melvin just went out there and just dropped the ball on the ground every single time and then just didn't seem to care. His body language was awful. He's ahead of Eddie Kennison, who quit on his team the night before a game. I think, then, Mel, I think Melvin quit at times. And then said, and then came back like three weeks later and was like, oh, I do want to play football, and went to the Chiefs and just tormented the Broncos for a couple of years. I won't pretend to be Zach By, but if you get Zach By going on this, oh, I know. he can cite 17 different things Melvin Gordon screwed up, and that is not an exaggeration. Off, off the top of his head, yes. He he definitely can. He's my least favorite Bronco of all time. Uh, it, look, it didn't work out here, clearly. It was a disaster. I do An not. unmitigated disaster. You talk about the season-turning fumble in Las Vegas all the time. They shouldn't have had him on the field. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's on George Payton for signing him, Nathaniel Hackett for playing him. I don't wish Melvin Gordon ill. I hope he does well in Baltimore. I, I, I've said this a hundred times. I don't wish the person Melvin Gordon ill. I don't. You want to see the him fumble? player, if he fumbles, I would laugh. You, you want to see him fumble? I think it's a massive mistake by the Ravens to give this man that much money. I, I don't. Who's their GM now? Because Newsom's no longer there. Or he's, he's like, moved up the right, ladder. Right, right, Whatever. I, I think that he just went full George Payton and just made a huge mistake. And he will cost them a game. He will be a locker room chemistry killer. And a move like this, I was pretty high on Baltimore. And now I don't think Baltimore is a playoff team. Because they signed Melvin Gordon? I think it's that. I mean, James, he cost the Broncos like four games last year. He he can make that dramatic of a difference with his poor play and his poor attitude. Okay, so two signings today that we talked about. Broncos signing Brett Maher and the Ravens signing Melvin Gordon. Which one of those signings has a better chance of costing their team a game this season? Melvin Gordon, and it's not close. <laughs> Come on. Brett Maher missed five extra points in two playoff games. Yeah, but I, I think with Maher, it's not clear to me that he's their kicker moving forward. The Ravens paid Melvin Gordon $3 million. They are going to play him. We just heard running backs complaining about money. This has got to put Melvin Gordon in like the top 15 of running backs in the well, league. Well, it can be up to $3 million. I'd love to see the structure of this. I would, too. You're right. That's fair. It may be vet minimum with some fairly reachable bonuses. And one of those, if I were them, would be, uh, hey, uh, under... Point five fumbles. That would be on your list. Did you uh, see that Melvin Gordon made sure to get some screen time in quarterback? No. Very small cameo, but I tweeted a picture last night. After the AFC title game, Patrick Mahomes is like, you know, hitting up Kelsey, hitting up Andy Reid, hitting up all his boys, hitting up his O-line. Yeah. And, of course, Melvin Gordon's got to go in there and give him props. And I said, well, it's nice of Mahomes to even give the practice squad guys some love. Come on. You're getting on him for being a good teammate? Dude, that was Melvin knew where the camera was, oh, and he wanted to. That. He wanted to bro hug the most famous person, like he had it. That's look that's, at his actions after the Super Bowl, James, posing with the Lombardi and a cigar and tweeting fans. He knew exactly what he was doing. He did nothing to earn that trophy. That's looking at it through the worst possible lens. The best possible lens is, wow, what a great teammate. It's probably somewhere in between. 
I'm telling you, man, since uh, he's going to win that division, and I think Pittsburgh or Cleveland's looking at second. What time is it in Baltimore right now? 8.42. Yeah. See, we can do that one. It's when it's a different day that we have issues. The 6641 uh, chimes in here. New Zealand plus 18 hours. Eastern Australia plus 16 hours. Western Australia plus 14 hours. So if there's games in Western Australia, you're a whole, oh, they're starting at midnight. Maybe they're starting at 8 p.m. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know where they're playing. Is that game in Perth? That would make more sense, though. They still searching for that bird from Perth? What's your, MH370? That's where they were doing all the stuff was out of Perth. I thought that was like Malaysia. Well, that's where the plane was from, but they were they thought it went down into the Indian Ocean and all the rescue and recovery and search was out of Perth. Did you watch that Netflix doc on that? I did. That was that was something. Mm-hmm. A lot of questions remain. Don't get me on, going on my theory on yeah, that one, Will. You love MH370. <laughs> all right, coming up on the other side, it's silly season. We get it. We get it. But Russell Wilson, a rating came out today, and it was kind of alarming. Station 104.3 The Band presents Denver Sports Tonight. Been a fun show. We've talked about the Broncos signing Brett Maher, a kicker who missed four extra points in one playoff game last year. We've given you updates on Coach Prime's health. Surgery was successful, which is great news. Shadur Sanders killing it out at Media Day in Vegas. Uh, Some hot time zone talk. And then Melvin Gordon fumbling, uh, fumbling Melvin Gordon, finding a new home in Baltimore. What's been your favorite thus far? Time zones. I still don't have it figured out. I'm going to trust you. It's going to be broad daylight during the game today. It's 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I would assume. I know. So. I yes. just It's weird to me. There's only 24 time zones. If you go the other way right now, right, like Hawaii is four hours earlier than us. Yeah, I mean, Hawaii and New Zealand could not be further apart. Like, in Hawaii, it's 2 in the afternoon, and in New Zealand, it's 1 in the afternoon, except one of them is living on Saturday and one of them is living on But Friday. that makes it sound like they're close because you just cross the international date line, and that changes the date, but the time is similar, and they're not that close. It's like an 8-hour flight. There's a lot of ocean out Maybe there. Maybe it's straight south, and you're not really going... West much. There's a lot of ocean out oh, there. James. Okay. All right. I don't think we comprehend how big the Pacific Ocean is. No, I get it. That's where Amelia Earhart just went missing. It's a big, big body of water. That same general vicinity. Uh five three nine two chimes in and says, I just turned on the women's broadcast and they highlighted Sophia Smith, hometown Windsor, Colorado. Probably worth a mention. Yes, that is cool. We have a lot of good soccer players from Colorado. Mallory Pugh, Sophia Smith. There's a third one out there with Colorado connections that I can't remember. Isn't Haran from Colorado? Could be. I think that's what it is. But it's cool. I mean, anytime you get, like, it, it reminds me a little bit, different sport, but same kind of thing. It reminds me of, like, Missy Franklin. Like, we're all going to get behind yeah. the hometown person, especially when they wear the red, white, and blue, because it's the one thing that unites this country. Well, Mallory Pugh played in 2019, right? She was on that team that won it. She's not playing now. She hurt her knee, I believe it was in April. In she a, may be Mallory Swanson now. It is. It yes. Is. But that's how, you know, with, when she was in high school, it was Mallory Pugh. That's yep. kind of how we all remember it. Um, and she hurt her knee in April, I think in a friendly against Ireland, I believe. That was my Mallory Pugh research today. All right. Well, we'll be pulling for the Colorado women tonight. And, of course, the entire United States team. They They're going to get tacos favorites. tonight. Oh, you're predicting soccer tacos. Tacos. Yeah, soccer tacos for the women tonight. Okay, explain that real quick because we live in our own bubble, the, the tacos thing. Some people well, don't the know. Well, when the Rockies score seven runs, it's tacos, okay. right? So anytime a team scores seven, 
when you're scoring one at a time, you, you talk about tacos. So when the Avs had the, remember that a couple of games where they got to seven goals? Hockey tacos. Hockey tacos. Tonight is soccer tacos. Last year it got to the point early in the year where it was Bronco tacos. If they got to seven, it was Bronco tacos. Oh, that's how that's how miserable the, the first part of the year was for the Broncos. We're going to close on the Broncos. Russell Wilson's uh, Madden rating came out today, and I get it. It's silly season. It's Madden season. But, James, a lot of people care about this stuff. And his Madden rating went into the tank. It is the worst since his rookie year in the NFL. He is a 77 on the video game and has 16 quarterbacks in front of him. Even the video game makers think Russell Wilson has fallen off a cliff. Well, there's no reason based on what he did last year to give him a higher number than that. Uh, There's just not. So, okay. Do I think he's the 17th best quarterback in the league? I do not. Do I think that number is going to be back to where it was last year, roughly, in the 2024 version of it, which would be NFL 25 or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, he'll he'll be in the high 80s next year. But I get it. That's that's probably what he deserves after last year. I mean, basically, it's a report card on how did you play in 2022. I think a 77, based on how he played, is about right. But here's his rankings from 2013 on his second year. 89, 93, 89, 91, 90, 92, 91, 97, 97, 87. So he has been thought of as an elite quarterback in this video game for the better part of a decade, and now he's tied with Jimmy Garoppolo. I get it. So, But if you're looking at those scores, which one do you throw out because it's the aberration? The 97. No, he had two of them. He had back-to-back. Well, okay, both. I throw out this one, 77. That's the weird one. Uh, I think I think there's a reason he was between 89 and 92 for six straight years. I think he's going to get back to that. He's I like think, a B-plus quarterback. Uh, 89 to 92 is a pretty darn good quarterback. Yeah, that's like a B-plus A-minus. Where, where would that score put you this year? I mean, I'm guessing that puts you in the top 10. I don't have it cr- right in front of me, but I will take a look. You want you want you want to know the top ten? Let's yeah, let's yeah, pull that up. What That'll were the be scores for the top ten this year? Who do you think was number one on that? Mahomes list? had to be a ninety nine. Who do you think was two? Joe Burrow. Who do you think was three? Josh Allen. You're three for three. Mahomes a ninety nine. Burrow a ninety five. Allen a ninety four. Okay. Lamar ninety one. Jalen Hurts an eighty eight. Herbert an eighty seven. So that's a top five, top six guy is what he used to be. To round out the top 10, you got Dak at an 87, Rodgers at an 86, Cousins at an 84. Boy, Rodgers doesn't get near the hate for his bad year that Russ gets for his. And two at an 83. I mean, Rodgers was not good last year. He was not. He was fine. (sighs) Come on. Coming off back-to-back MVPs, he was not good. And he gets a total free pass, and everybody's getting on Russ. That's all right. I, I would just pin that up in my locker, Russ. Just another... Another group to prove wrong. Yeah, I'm looking at these again, man. The fact that an 83 gets you in the top 10. That's what I'm saying. He's not that far off. Those are some tough graders. 77's not all that bad. All right. Maybe I sold him a little short. Maybe high 80s, low 90s has been really, really good over the years. He's going to be mid to high 80s next year, and he'll be a top 10 quarterback. What do you got going on this weekend? I don't really know. Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Sunday. Dude, I don't know anything about Oppenheimer. Hard to get seats. I'll be there. It's hard to get seats. Anything about either of them. Go see it on IMAX. Make sure you you, you spring for the big screen. Can I count on a review of it on Monday? You got it. We'll be back on Monday for KJ, for James. I'm Will. It's Denver Sports Tonight on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan.